Happy New Year. This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our own humanity. Witches and witchcraft. They've been a part of our mythology since the settlers came here and settled in a little town called Salem. There are even real witches today that practice a belief in the natural things, more than the supernatural. Anne Rice wrote The Mayfair Witches, which is now coming to AMC to go alongside Interview with a Vampire. I spoke to Harry Hamlin, who plays Cortland Mayfair, the head of the families, plus Tongai Chrysia, who is Cyprian in a roundtable setting. We'll learn about the series and the characters in a moment. Let's get started with the first question. Were the gentlemen familiar with the Anne Rice books? I had uh, seen Interview with the Vampire, the movie with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt and Queen of the Damned with Aaliyah uh, many, many moons ago. And then, you know, I got the audition and uh, put two and two together and I dove right in. I was like, this this is a wonderful opportunity to relive this uh, my moments as a teenager watching these movies. I saw Interview with the Vampire. Um and I sort of knew that it was Anne Rice that had done it, but uh, I'm I, look. I'm really old. I I missed the, the, the window of opportunity because when you know, I was already working and making movies when she was releasing her first books, you know. So you had to be a kid when in that time. I was not a kid. Really, in the last few years, especially, we've kind of as a culture had more of a fascination with witches, and you know, and magic. Uh, I guess Harry Potter helped a little, but what's your feeling on that? I've never been, I've, I've never really embraced the whole vampire witches thing. Um, um, I, I am a fan of mythology, and I did a Clash of the Titans movie years ago, and then, and then I guess there's there's a connection between Percy Jackson and Alex's involvement with that and Clash of the Titans as well. That's kind of an interesting and ironic connection. But as far as the, you know, the vampire thing, this is my first dive into that kind of ethos. And and I'm really enjoying it. I'm loving it. It's great. I, I, I want to go back down and see if I can sort of watch all the other stuff that I missed over the years. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think just as, as, uh, as the human race, we've always been intrigued about uh, spirituality and the, you know, uh, the desire to live long from the Garden of Eden, the, the tree of good and evil to the fountain of youth, you know, and always trying to find a way to stay young and beautiful. Um, so I, I don't think that it's anything new. Uh, you know, everything is cyclical, as you know, and I think this is just the resurgence of of people wanting to escape into a, a world kind of like Avatar, that the beautiful world of like, oh, I can't wait to be a part of this. Or I would love to be in a place like that. And just as we are as human beings, we we tend to search and we're constantly searching for something that's that's bigger than us uh, and something that we can actually say that this is a utopia of what life can be. That's my take. I think we're constantly exploring these these things. So mythology and, and religion kind of all play a part in helping us salvage the the harshness of real life, I think. Yeah, I agree. It's all part of exploring our humanity, really. In the world of Mayfair, some are gifted and others are not. Would you want to be gifted? I think everybody's gifted. Harry might not agree, 
but I think his gift is charm. You might think otherwise, but um, I think everybody, and because of that, I, I, I would love to be gifted. Absolutely. And if I had another stab at having another gift, it'd be the gift of influence. Okay, but you already have that. No, I, I mean, I can, I can tap, but I'm saying if I had another gift, it'll be the gift of influence. I could talk to you and be like, Harry, give me a Maserati. Oh, okay. Well, and you're like, oh, I feel compelled to give this to you, brother. Isn't is there? There's, there's this. There's a, a trope that goes way back about you know, whether you you want three wishes or not. You know, or right. you know, and, and and there's always a trap in that, right? You know, whoever gets the three wishes wishes is always some huge disaster that goes along with that. True. Right? So I, I do. I would never. Ever want any power <laughs> whatsoever? No, I like it just the way it is. <laughs> oh, Harry. <laughs> well, I mean, am I wrong? <laughs> you no, know, you're not. You're not. Like, leave me alone. I am happy. For Harry Hamlin, on the phrase, evil comes in many ways. That informs a lot about how I can can and can't answer this question. Uh, so, because a lot is revealed in episodes that you haven't seen yet about um, what what my intentions are. So, uh, and I can't let that cat out of the bag. So, I, I I have to be very circumspect about how I answer this question. First of all, I don't think that Cortland is necessarily evil, um, and I I. Uh, I always try to find when I, in any character that I'm playing, I try to find where that heart of gold is in that person. And then if they veer away from that uh, in, in some delicious way, then is it evil or is it a mistake or is it uh, in, intentionally manipulative? I don't know exactly, but um, I, I can I can't beyond that. I can't answer the question because I'd be it'd be uh, I'd have to give you a spoiler alert, you know. There is more with Harry Hamlin and Tongai Chrysia talking about Anne Rice's Mayfair Witches in a moment. Let's get back to both gentlemen talking about this interesting series. Yeah, is it safe to say that Cortland has an agenda? Uh, and Tongai, your character, he's kind of almost a protector. Is it safe to say that both your cases? Well, in my case, my agenda is is actually fairly clear, um, uh, but I have several agendas. But the main one is to keep this family together and to make sure that they behave in a way that uh, only allows them the greatest possibility of developing their powers to the fullest possible extent. And for the good of the family also, and for the good of Cortland, mainly. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, but there are other agendas that that reveal themselves as the series goes on, and will in 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 next season as well. Uh, should we be lucky enough to go there? Anyway, uh, tell yeah, you. Um, yeah, I think he is a protector. That's you know the 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 pious of his his character, uh, and you know obviously that's then challenged as the story continues because certain things happen that put him. In a, in a in a conflict of interest uh, and obviously in a very compromising situation where he now has to make choices from within rather than the external of what used to govern him. So, yeah, there's definitely a nice evolution uh, to allude to what Harry was saying that he starts off as a protective of something. He becomes something else at the end. Very interesting. Great answers. Thank you, guys. 
They talk about their character's relationship to Rowan, played by Alexandra Daddario. For me, I'm, I'm assigned to protect her and watch over her as, uh, as a you know, member of the Talamasca. You know, we've always had a keen interest with, in the Mayfair, uh, the Mayfair family. And so I'm just one of the many agents that have been tasked to monitor what's happening. And so obviously that happens. And uh, through a course, of, a course of events, my character seemingly oversteps his boundaries. And because he does that, it just sends these two spiraling into some unknown uh, journey that uh, has definite repercussions for my character, for Rowan, um, for the ultimate of what um, I was trying to protect her from. Um, and so we see that manifest in, in so many ways. So, yeah. I, my role is somewhat avuncular with her, you know, at least as we see it uh, in the first five episodes. Now that's going to change, but I can't go into that. But yeah, it's, I, I also, you know, I want to guide her, protect her, make sure that she makes the right decisions. And, uh, and, you know, she is the 13th witch. Um, so, and that's a big deal in this family. Uh, so I've got to make sure that whatever, whatever dynamics evolve out of my relationship with her, the best of all possible worlds she will find. She's actually one of the names the fans are panting about to play Wonder Woman. It could be interesting, but we'll see. What drew them to their roles? Girl, it was a job. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, uh, certain truth to it, but I, I think you know, I, I think the ability and just the genre of of magic and and you know the Harry Potter, just just that world in and of itself, like it, it's the one genre where you can literally you know incorporate all kinds, you know, the hard, the dramatic, the com comedic, um, you know, into into this and just really get to explore and and tap into um emotions that certain genres wouldn't allow you because you know you have the the escape of magic and and fantasy so that for me was was huge because i love uh the genre uh in and of itself so just to be a part of it was just like oh my gosh like let's let's explore how how deep and how dark can this character go um you know, given the opportunity. And so, you know, just being a part of it just makes it that much more richer for me. Just the love of the art, you know, so it just it just allows me to just really have fun and to have, you know, the veterans like Harry here just to emulate and just learn from, you know, we watching, you know, it's just a bonus. It's, a, it's, the, it's the cream on the, the cherry on the top. How they balance the script, the books, and what they can add to their performance. Uh, I think Esther, the showrunner, did a very, very good job of, um, you know, extrapolating the essence of Anne Rice's world and just, you know, just getting into her psyche um, and obviously, you know, just uh, formulating string along a, a beautiful story. So when we came along, um, you know, we obviously had ideas, um, especially for my character, who's new, you know, she was able to help mold with the elements of these two individuals that we had and just allow for it to be organic. Um, because as much as she had written this world, we were still exploring and right. discovering. So that made it, th that was the fun part because it wasn't something 
already solid. It was like, hey, let's see what we can do within the confines of what we have already. I was not that familiar with the books. I, I I got through the first 15 hours listening to the to the book and then realized that Cortland, the character of Cortland is actually dead. Um, and so the, this is this character that has been brought back to life and allowed to be the patriarch of the of the family for the remainder of the series uh, is kind of a new character in that sense. And uh, so I I uh, I took what was on the page and amplified it somewhat. Um, and they let me do that. Um, I'm not sure that, that the Cortland that you see in the screen is the one that Esther had in mind when she first started writing the thing. But the good news was that they were writing the show as, as we went along. So they were able to adapt and write for us as we presented them with the character that we had evolved. And so um, and rather than having all of the scripts written first, which meant that we had to fall in line to whatever they had written, um, they were able to take the, kind of the fluid creativity that we had and write for that. So uh, I'm not sure that I think the question you're asking is how did we adapt to the to the thing? I think more they adapted yeah, to us. You. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, Happy holidays. Look for Anne Rice's Mayfair Witches on AMC and AMC+. This is Tony Tolado. Thanks so much for listening.